Well, good morning. We kicked off this series on last Sunday, Easter Sunday, Baggage, How to Live Free, Travel Light, because what we learned last week is that everyone, everyone, everyone has baggage. Everyone has baggage. You have baggage. I have baggage. Every person has baggage based on things that have happened to us, things that we've said, things that we've done, ways we've responded, ways we've been treated. It causes all of us to accumulate baggage over life. And a lot of us spend our lives carrying this baggage around. And I know I have done a lot of pastoral counseling. I've just uh, sat across tables and, and had a cup of coffee and looked eyeball to eyeball with a lot of people all across the country. And what I've learned is this, everyone seems to want to get rid of their baggage. I don't know anybody who likes carrying all these hurt, wounded experiences around with them. So we all say, I want to get rid of the baggage of pain, of shame, of of wounds, of the past, of all these things that I accumulate, of all these distractions. I want to get rid of it. We all want to get rid of it, but it's pretty difficult to get rid of. If it was easy, we wouldn't need counselors and therapists and mental health experts and self-care because we wouldn't be traveling with all this baggage. But God wants us to be free from baggage. That's one of the things that Jesus came Jesus came to set us free, not just from sin, but from all of the effects of sin in our lives. So one of the things that we're going to learn throughout the series is this. You do not, you do not, you do not need to allow your baggage to keep you in bondage. But yet so many of us do. We live in bondage to the baggage of what's happened to us, what we've done, some of the things we've done to ourselves, and we just live in bondage to it. And so last week we talked about finding freedom from the baggage of guilt, shame, from sin, from things that we've done. Today we're going to talk about a type of baggage that is so very, very destructive. It's so um, impactful in our lives that the Bible actually warns us about it. In the book of Hebrews, it says this, make every effort to live in peace with everyone and to be holy. See to it that no one falls short of the grace of God and that no bitter root, everyone say bitter root. Make sure that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. Make every effort to live in peace with everyone. Who's ever known someone and they said, I know some people that are difficult to live at peace with. If that's you, raise your hand. If you didn't raise your hand, we're all thinking of you. Um, no. no, we all know people like that, but the Bible says everyone. And then it says, because in relationships, bitterness is something, I am convinced bitterness is one of the things that will destroy relationships faster than anything. It destroys love, it damages intimacy, it erodes trust, it causes us to live suspicious. Once bitterness sets in, it destroys all aspects of life, relationships. So we have to be on guard against bitterness. Now, what does bitterness, where does bitterness come from? Because I don't know anybody who just wakes up and says, I'm going to be a bitter person. I just, I, just, I just decided one day about seven years old that a bitter life was for me. Um, you know, most of us don't set out to be, look at two, three, four-year-olds. They're full of joy and innocence and, and they're not bitter. But the baggage accumulates and all of a sudden you meet someone who's now in their 20s, 30s, 40s, 70s or beyond and, they, and they're just bitter. 
They're like, they sucked on a lemon. And we want to say it's, that's just a bitter person, but it's because of what's happened to them. It's because of the things that they've encountered. It's because of the baggage that they carry. So what we're going to see today is this. A seed, a small seed of offense can grow into a deep root of bitterness. This small little seed of offense, and it happens to all of us. We all find times when offense hits us. And that small little seed, and it can start very, very small. It can seem so like, you'll talk to someone and say, why Why are you so upset about that? It's not a big deal. It was a small little offense. But boy, it can take root. So let me give you an example. In our current uh, society, in our current culture, if if you are a social media person and, and you're on any kind of social media platform, you have friends, followers, people who like your posts, comment on your Instagram photos, whatever it is. And so you've got this person and they're always commenting and liking and thumbs up and smiles and hey and cares and shares. And, and you go, oh, this person, they really like me. Then all of a sudden, through the course of time, you notice that they're not liking, sharing, caring, doing anything. They're not commenting. They seem to have ghosted you. Some of you are saying, what's that? You're not a social media person. Don't worry about it. Um, and so you, you start digging deeper and you find not only are they not commenting and sharing and doing all this, they've unfollowed you. They're not, they're not even following you on social media. And a small seed of offense is planted. But then a couple weeks, a couple months later, out of the blue, they message you and they ask you your opinion on something. And you find yourself going, they... They don't even follow me. Why do they care what I think? And that small seed of offense has become a root of bitterness. Now, some of you say, I'm not a social media person. That makes no sense to me. Okay, so let's say you're, I don't know, um, at church. And, uh, and you're at church, and it's after service, and you see someone, and you kind of make eye contact with them. And so you're trying to make your way to say hi to them. And as you approach, they kind of turn and walk away and seem to blow you off and they don't engage in a conversation with you and a small seed of offense is planted. But then the next week at church, they make their way to you. They want to come and say hi. They want to see how you're doing. And as they approach you, you all of a sudden find someone, something that's way more interesting, way more important, and you blow them off. And that small seed of offense has become a root of bitterness. Or we all have families, and as families grow, families expand, and all of a sudden you have these family get-togethers, these family gatherings, and there always seems to be that one family member, you know who you are, and uh, they don't bring anything, they, they don't show up early to help set up, they don't stay late to help clean up, they don't bring anything, they kind of just show up, take advantage of everything that everyone else has done and is doing, and you begin to find yourself getting offended in a small seed of offense is planted. Well, as life would happen, a number of years later, they say, I'd like to host the next family event. And you say, great, I'm showing up late, leaving early, not bringing a thing. God bless you. I love you. Jesus loves you. And the small, and the small seed of offense has become a root of bitterness. But it's not just small things. It can be big things too. A loved one lies to you, betrays you, damages you, wounds you, speaks harshly to you is unkind in some way, and a seed of offense is planted. A relative makes a comment about your work ethic, your parenting style, how you handle your finances, and a small seed of offense is planted. A friend lies 
about you, talks about you behind your back, betrays a trust. Somehow or other, they wound you, they damage you, and a small seed of offense is planted. I'm here to tell you, you cannot control what people do. You cannot control what people say. You cannot control what people think about you. You can control how you respond. You're going to be offended. Listen to me. As you live and breathe in the name of Jesus, accept the reality. Offenses will come. You can't help but have them happen. There's a verse in Luke it says this, uh, Luke 17, I believe it is. I'm sorry, yeah, Luke 17, 1. Jesus said to his disciples, it cannot be avoided, but that offenses will come. Offenses will come. Offenses will come. So just accept that reality. You're going to find yourself offended. Offense isn't the issue. It's allowing that seed of offense to lay in the fertile soil of your heart to grow, to take root, and become a root of bitterness. So if we can go back to the slide that I just skipped, here's one thing you need to know. You cannot keep from being offended, but you can keep from becoming bitter. And that's what the the writer in Hebrews is saying. Live at peace as much as possible. Live at peace with everyone. Be holy. Don't let bitterness take root in your heart because if you do, it's going to cause all kind of trouble and defile many. So the, the issue with bitterness is that it causes damage. Bitterness causes damage. Bitterness causes damage. Think about a, a fully mature tree, right? A, a tree, it starts as a small little acorn, an oak tree. It starts as an acorn, grows. When it's fully mature, the, the root system goes deep and it goes wide. It goes deep and it goes wide. As a matter of fact, there's been studies and they've, they've looked at live oaks and they've said, the, the, if you laid all the root system end to end, it goes out for more than a mile. So the roots go deep and they go wide. But what we don't see is that those root systems, if you're not careful where you plant that tree or what you put around that tree, cause all kind of damage. Root systems from trees can damage Roadways and sidewalks and driveways, foundation walls, water lines, sewer lines. It can wreak all kind of havoc. And it's the same way with the root of bitterness. What we don't see is what's happening beneath the surface. But it's amazing the damage that can happen that we don't even see happening. And it goes deeper and deeper. It grows wider and wider. And if you allow a root of bitterness to take root in your heart... What happens over time is your bitterness is no longer just directed to the person that offended you. It grows deep and it goes wide. It may be deep at that one person, but it goes wide. And all of a sudden, you're bitter at all kinds of things, all kinds of people for seemingly nothing. But that's the damage that, that happens that results from bitterness. Now, I know what some of you are saying. I'm not a bitter person. I don't carry bitterness. I've dealt with all my offenses. I have no bitterness. Well, that may be true, but what I learned is this, that just like a root system is beneath the surface, bitterness is beneath the surface. So what that means is this, bitterness is very, 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 very hard to see in yourself because it lives beneath the surface. I'm not bitter. I'm just never going to be hurt again. I'm not bitter. I'm just speaking the truth and telling it like it is. I'm not bitter, but I'm done playing games. It's hard to see bitterness in yourself. But those around you, 
They can see it in your attitude, your actions, your tone of voice, and your posture towards other people. So if you want to know if you have bitterness, don't look in the mirror and say, oh, I have no bitterness. Ask the people closest to you. Do you sense bitterness in my life? Do you see me carrying things around? Bitterness in some way, shape, or form. It's so easy to convince ourselves we're not bitter. And one of the reasons is bitterness actually um, can act like a form of protection. So what we say is, I'm just keeping myself safe. I'm not going to let this happen again. And so it feels like we're protecting ourselves, but what we're really doing is carrying around the baggage of bitterness. 1 Corinthians 13 tells us that love keeps no record of wrong. Bitterness keeps a long record of wrongs. And the list keeps on growing, and the root keeps getting deeper, and it keeps going out wider, and we begin to damage all areas of our lives. So, not only does bitterness cause damage, a bitter root bears bitter fruit. A bitter root bears bitter fruit. And what I mean by that is, right, it says it causes trouble and it defiles many. It defiles many. I have seen bitterness and you have seen bitterness. And we all know stories of bitterness. A one bitter person can destroy a marriage, a family. It can destroy a friendship. It can, it can destroy a team, a church, a community, a business, a dream. Bitterness the fruit of bitterness is far-reaching. It damages us in countless, countless ways. And so what we need to do is we need to say, God, I don't, I don't want to carry this bitterness anymore. I don't want this thing inside of me. I want to be free from all this bitterness that's impacting my life. It's hurting me. It's damaging me in some way. But it's not easy. It's never easy. But if we're not careful, what can happen is we can carry around this bitterness. And then we can come to a place like this on a Sunday morning. Or we can be in our home and blast praise and worship music. Or we can get up in the morning or stay up in the evening and, and open up our Bible and read. And we can come in here and celebrate God's grace and God's mercy and God's love and God's goodness. And yet, we're carrying around and harboring bitterness towards other people. And the Bible makes it clear, we're not designed to live like that. This is what it says in 1 John. If we say we love God, but hate others, if we say I'm growing in love towards God, but I'm carrying bitterness in my heart towards the people that hurt me, we're liars, we're fooling ourselves, we're, we're, we're playing a game, but we're not being honest. For we cannot love God whom we have not seen if we do not love others whom we have seen. At some point, you have to say, I've got to deal with this. In other words, you cannot, you cannot, you cannot carry bitterness toward others and grow in love toward God. I'm not saying you're not a Christian. I'm saying bitterness will hold you in bondage. It will hold you back. It will hinder your growth. It will keep you from living the life that God has designed you to live. You cannot grow in love toward God if you're constantly carrying around the baggage of bitterness. At some point, we have to be able to say, God, I'm setting this aside. I'm letting go of my baggage. So how do we do it? How do we let go of the baggage of bitterness? I'm glad you asked. Because um, the Bible is amazing to me. The Bible, listen, you, you ought to, there's times 
when I just read a section and I go, I've read this before, but I've never seen that. And so when you read the Bible, it will constantly come alive, fresh and new to you. So here's what it says in the book of Ephesians. Put aside all bitterness. Let go of bitterness. Leave bitterness behind. How do you do it? By being kind, compassionate, and forgiving to each other. So don't let a root of bitterness take place in your heart. Don't let it grab hold into the soil of your heart to go deep and go wide. Leave it behind. How do you do that? Be compassionate. In other words, to get rid of bitterness, the first thing is this, grab hold of compassion. So if you're carrying around bitterness and there's a pile of compassion, you have a choice to make. Am I holding on to my bitterness? Or am I going to grab hold of compassion? It's why you can't grow in love toward God if you're carrying bitterness. Because that's what your hands are full of. So at some point you have to say, I'm going to put this down and I'm going to be compassionate. And I know what you're thinking. I, be compassionate. You don't know what they did to me. You don't know how they hurt me, how they wounded me. They lied to me. They betrayed me. They let me down. They abandoned me. You expect me to be compassionate to that person? I'm telling you, the ways of God run opposite the way of the world. Jesus said, if you want to be great, serve. Jesus said, if you want to find your life, lose your life. Jesus said, if someone strikes you, turn to them the other cheek. Don't strike back. Romans 12, 21 says, do not be overcome by evil. Overcome evil with good. So if you want to let go of the baggage of bitterness, grab hold of compassion. I heard a story of a woman named Monica. She is an amazing woman of God. She just effervesces with joy and hope. She passionately serves others and gives of her time selflessly. But if you heard her story, it would make no sense. It's completely irrational. She has every reason to live a life of bitterness. See, the family she was born into, at a very young age, abuse began to happen of every imaginable kind. You name it, she endured it. She suffered it. Eventually, the Department of Child Services got involved, and she was, at a young age, put into the system. If you don't know what put into the system means, it means she is placed in foster care. And is often the case, children bounce from one foster home to another to another. But... For Monica, no matter where she landed, no matter what foster home she ended up in, abuse seemed to follow. Until finally she aged out of the system, which basically means you're 18, they shake your hand and say, good luck in life. So off she goes into the world of adulthood and she is quickly uh, drawn into uh, human trafficking and prostitution. She is beat, she's raped more times than she could count. She is objectified. Her life is just a train wreck. She's on drugs, all kind of things. You name it, her life is enduring it. Eventually, into her late 20s, she ends up in front of a judge in a courtroom for uh, some type of infraction. As she's receiving her sentencing, the judge looks right at her, straight into her eyes, and says, you are a worthless human being. And she, in every way, shape, or form, agreed. I have no value. I have no worth. She couldn't agree more. You're right. What value do I have? But God saw her differently. And somehow, in some way, by God's grace and God's mercy, she's introduced to this person named Jesus Christ. And his love and his grace 
and his compassion and his forgiveness and his tenderness and his healing flows into her heart. And as his spirit begins to bring her alive, she begins to find healing and hope. She begins to find a way to change her view on things, to let go of anger, to release bitterness towards the people who abused her. And now she's married into her 40s. She's got children. And she spends her life helping people to see their value and worth. She says to them, you have tremendous value. You have great worth. Don't you understand? You are God's masterpiece. We can, by God's grace, let go of bitterness and grab hold of compassion. But the ways of God run counter to the ways of the world. Here's another way that Jesus put it. Jesus said, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. So one of the greatest ways that you can grab hold of compassion and let go of bitterness. I believe in my, with my whole heart, one of the greatest ways to do that is to pray for the people who have hurt you most. Compassion is praying for someone who's done something criminal to you. God, oh God, somehow break through. God, I, I know what they did to me. I don't know what's been done to them. God, I know how they've hurt me. I don't know the hurts that they carry. God, would you by your Holy Spirit move in their life? I, I don't, I don't want to pray like that, but I need to pray like that because when I pray like that, it changes me. It may never change them, but it will change you. So pray, pray, pray. That is the greatest, one of the greatest ways to show compassion. But again, it runs contrary to what we want to do as human beings. So it says, get rid of bitterness. Be kind, compassionate, forgiving one another. So the second key is this. To get rid of bitterness, hand out forgiveness. Hand out forgiveness. So you've put the bitterness aside and you grab hold of compassion. But now at some point you have to say, what am I going to do with this? Because I could put compassion down and pick bitterness back up. But if instead I start handing out forgiveness, you say, but I can't forgive them. I won't forgive them. They, they hurt me so deeply. They hurt me so, so incredibly. I, I can't even put it into words. You don't understand. You're right. I don't understand, but God does. I don't understand, but God does. God understands the wounds that you've experienced, the betrayals that you've faced, the pain, the way they've sinned against you, the way they've hurt you. Jesus knows. Jesus knows all of that. And here's what Jesus said. Jesus said, if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your heavenly father will not forgive you your sins. That's not the kind of verse a lot of pastors like to preach on. But here's what it means. It means at some point we can't say, I'm just, God, give me forgiveness. God, give me forgiveness. God, give me forgiveness. But I'll never forgive them. Because what you're saying is that somehow, some way, your sense of holiness against yourself is greater than God's holiness that you violate. So that God's standard isn't really as high as your standard. So what you have to remember is this. You cannot, you cannot, you cannot receive forgiveness from God yet withhold it from others. 
So you cannot lay down the baggage of bitterness if you're not willing to hand out forgiveness. Now, I know what you're thinking. And the reason that we have such a hard time forgiving is because what we do is we compare sin. We compare sin all the time. We compare what we've done, usually to God, but what we've done even to somebody else, to what they've done to us. And we will almost always, in the scales of our own mind, find that their sin far outweighs ours. That their sin is heavier, more heinous, more terrible. And you know what? It might be. It just might be. Some of you have probably heard the the saying, all sin is the same in God's eyes. I'm here to tell you, that's not true. That's not true. There's a reason in the Old Testament under the the law of justice that that there was different uh, recompense you had to uh, make for different sins. Even in the New Testament, what does Jesus say? If you sin against this little child, it's better. It's far worse. It's better if you hadn't been born. A millstone will be tied around your neck and you'll be cast into the depths. Paul writes that if you uh, have sexual sin, it's different than any other type of sin. So I'm here to tell you something. All sin is not the same. All sin is not the same. All sin is not the same. Now, before you take out stones, please hear me. All sin separates us from God. Therefore, all sin needs the blood of Jesus. All sin separates us from God. In that sense, it's all the same. All sin will separate us from God. All sin in human relationship causes damage in that relationship. All sin in our relationship with God causes separation from God, and it requires the blood of Jesus to cleanse us from that sin. Absolutely. But from an earthly perspective, the consequences of sin are different. From God's perspective, listen to me. The punishment for sin is different. The Bible tells us people are storing up wrath for themselves on the day of judgment. So you may be separated from God, but the punishment you'll receive if you don't receive forgiveness uh, from God through Jesus Christ, if you don't do that, the punishment you receive for stealing an eraser from the 7-Eleven when you were nine years old is a little bit different than what Hitler's going to face. So sin is separating us 100%. But the consequences of sin are far different. And what they've done to you may be far, far worse. I get that. I understand that. So here's here's what I want to encourage you with. Learn to hand out forgiveness. And you're saying, but I, I don't know how to do that. So let me give you an illustration. All of us carry baggage, right? The wounds, the offenses, the things that we've encountered. So let's imagine all those offenses are cataloged on a a bunch of cards and you carry these cards around with you I've been abandoned I've been cheated on I've been talked about behind my back I've been lied to I've had my feelings hurt I've been bullied I've been abused whatever those offenses are and, and there you keep them and you keep them right there nice close to your heart because they've taken root and they become bitterness and all of a sudden that person walks by you that person comes home. You see that person in church. Someone talks about that person. You hear something good happened in that person's life and you pull out the card and say, let me tell you about that person. They abused me. They abandoned me. Look, they cheated on me. In case you didn't know, they cheated on me. Oh, look, 
They talked about me behind my back. You think that person's such a great person? Just wait. They did it to me. They're going to do it to you. So you carry around all these cards and you're quick to pull them out. As a matter of fact, you carry around those cards and sometimes you just flip through them and you have these imaginary conversations where you say, this is what I would say to that person. And you unload in your mind and it feels really, really good because you tell them all the things and you make sure everybody knows all the things and somehow you feel better and you feel right because humanly speaking, you have every right to remind them about what they've done. Humanly speaking, absolutely. Listen to me. Humanly speaking, you may not want to forgive them. Emotionally speaking, you may say, this is the hardest thing I could ever have to do. Relationally speaking, forgiveness doesn't mean letting them back into your life. But spiritually speaking, Jesus says, forgive, forgive, forgive. He calls us to forgive. So what that means is this. You're carrying around these cards. And all of a sudden, they walk into the room. And what you need to do is in that moment, they enter into your thoughts. What you need to do in that moment, somebody brings them up in a conversation. What you need to do in that moment as you're reaching for those cards say I'm not pulling it out I'm just going to leave it I'm not going to pull out that card and throw it in their face I'm not going to pull out that card to make sure everybody knows I'm not going to don't worry about the next time don't worry about what that means for the future in that moment don't pull out the card that's a step towards forgiveness And the next time that person walks in the room, the next time that person's brought up in a conversation, the next time that person uh, comes into proximity with you, they enter into your mind in some way, choose again. I'm not going to pull out that card. Do it time after time after time. Because what you'll find is eventually you're going to go to pull out that card, but you're going to find I don't even have them with me. Where are they? Oh, I've left them behind. I've left the bitterness behind. So does forgiveness happen instantaneously? Of course not. But every time you choose, I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to do this. You are choosing to grab compassion and hand out forgiveness. Do they deserve it? It doesn't matter if they deserve it. Nobody deserves forgiveness. Nobody deserves grace. Nobody deserves mercy. We do it because Jesus says, do you want to be free? He whom the Son sets free is free indeed. I want you to be free. I want you to be free from all of the bitterness that will hold you back. Now, there's one other way in which we need to deal with bitterness, and that's those of us who are bitter towards God. Because some of us say, God, why did you? Why did you? Why did you? Why didn't you? Why didn't you? Why didn't you? You could have, and you didn't. Remember Jesus His friend Lazarus was sick and about to die, and he doesn't even go and do anything. He lets his friend die. When he shows up, his two sisters say, Jesus, if you had been here, there might have been a little bitterness there. If you had been here, Jesus, this wouldn't have happened. Or the people of Israel. Here they are. They're in bondage for 400 years, slaves to Egypt. God delivers them supernaturally through Moses. And there they are, parting of the Red Sea and They enter in, they're marching towards the promised land. As they're marching, stuff starts happening. Grumbling starts happening. Bitterness starts happening. So much so that they're running out of happening. Bitterness starts happening. Some water 
So they see out there in the wilderness this pool. And they go, oh, God's provided water. And when they show up, they go to drink the water. And the water's not drinkable. It's bitter. It's sulfuric. It's, it's, you can't consume it. And what do they begin to do? They begin to grumble to God. They're bitter at God. Some of us are bitter at God because we face bitter situations. And I know for some of you, my heart breaks for you because you have been through some things, awful things, terrible things. What they've done to you, there's no excuse. But if you will say, I've had enough, I don't want to carry this bitterness anymore because some of you believe in God. Some of you believe in Jesus as your forgiver, but you're not free and you know it. You know that bitterness is a wall in your life. It's holding you back and it's keeping you from all that God wants for you. What he wants for you is you to be free from bitterness. It's what he wants for all of us. And if you will say one man on one tree can take all my bitterness and turn it to joy, it will change you. You will find freedom that you've never experienced before but it means every moment choosing I'm not going to pull out that card it means choosing to grab hold of compassion praying for people living a life that's opposite of what our culture our society our emotions and our desires would tell us to do living a life led by his spirit who then can come in and bring healing so I'm going to ask if you'd stand to your feet I don't know what you're dealing with I don't know what you're area of bitterness is I don't know the baggage of bitterness that you're carrying a spouse cheated on you lied to you abandoned you doesn't seem to care about your heart your dreams your emotions they're living for self the child has wandered away left left the things of God left your family completely disconnected you're saying, God, we did everything we're supposed to do. How could they live like this? And you're bitter at God. Some of you are bitter at a friend. Some of you are bitter at the church. Some of you are bitter at a a neighbor. I don't know where your bitterness lies. I don't know where that root is, how deep it's gone, and how far it's grown. But if you will say, I want, I want, I want to be free from it, God will move in an amazing way. Heavenly Father, right now we come to you. And God... Some of us are hurting. Some of us, this message is it's stirring some things up. And we know we need to find that freedom. God, I'm asking right now by your Holy Spirit, give, the, give us the courage to deal with this. Oh God, by your grace, give us the ability to begin to leave the baggage behind. To let it go. To grab hold of compassion, to hand out forgiveness. God, knowing it doesn't happen instantaneous, but if we choose moment by moment, day by day, week by week, month by month, year by year, God, as we walk this process out, we will find freedom. God, help us. I don't know for some of you what you're dealing with, but I know that God wants to help you. So here's what I'm going to ask right where you are. If you would just say, that's me. I have some... I have some baggage of bitterness that I need to deal with. Right where you are, just just raise your hand. Just right where you are, be honest with God. I have this. Oh, I've been carrying this for a long, long time. And I don't want to carry it anymore. It's holding me back. I don't want to be held back. It's limiting my ability to grow in love towards God, to be forgiving, 
to be gracious, to be kind, to believe for my future. Just raise your hand. One of the things I've learned is this. When you let go of bitterness, it no longer impacts your present emotions and your future dreams. It simply becomes part of your history. We all have offenses. They're part of your history. They don't need to impact your present emotions and your future dreams. So if that's you, just raise your hand. Say, I, I, I want to deal with it. 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 God, I thank you. I thank you for the hands that are raised. God, I know there's some here that they're not ready to raise their hand yet. They're struggling internally. They're struggling in their heart. They're saying, that's not me. I'm not bitter. The more you convince yourself you're not bitter, the more you may be pointing the finger right at yourself. God, those that have raised their hand, I'm praying right now that you would move. Give them courage to receive freedom. Now, here's what I'm going to ask. If you raised your hand, we're going to sing a song in just a moment. It's called Even When It Hurts. Even when there's pain, even when there's, there's wounds, even when things have damaged you, if you will say, in the midst of all that, I'm still going to praise God. In the midst of all the uncertainty, I'm still going to praise God. In the midst of all the things that want to hold me back, I'm still going to praise God. It doesn't mean it doesn't hurt. It means I want to be free. I want to be free. I want to be free. If you raised your hand, here's what I'm going to ask. We're going to sing that song in just a moment. But before we do that, before we sing that song, would you have the courage? Would you have the boldness? To just step forward right now. Just come. I want to pray for you. I want to pray that you would experience freedom from bitterness. We can get prayer teams to come pray with me. We're just going to pray for folks as we sing this song.